1: Hello and welcome to Minigame, a podcast about video game stories and why we love them. I'm Michael Ferris. Instead of my usual kind of episode this week, instead I have an interview with Connor Rush of Fire Games, developer of Summerland. And we discuss his new game, developing a game in the public limelight, and a little bit on the afterlife. So I hope you enjoy and thank you very much for listening. Connor, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thanks thanks for having me. Like, really, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a total honor to have you on the show here. And if you don't mind, uh, could you, uh, for those who don't know, can you introduce yourself a little bit uh, about you and a little bit about Summerland?
0: Yeah, awesome. Uh, so my name is Connor Rush. As you said before, I'm 19. I'm a college student right now. And I am the founder and CEO of Fire Games, which is a independent game studio that I made when I was like 12. Uh <laughs> Uh, It's a one man studio right now. And I just released my third game called Summerland. One word. It is. uh, I I don't I don't love the term, but it's a walking simulator in which you are a detective named Matthew. As you traverse the afterlife, going through themes of morality and ethics, as well as delving into, again, the afterlife. What happens when we die? And It's a very uh, in, in a sense, it's a very subjective type of game you you get what you put in i guess um sure. it's very up to interpretation and i'm very proud of it
1: yeah and and, and you should be it's a it's very ambitious for being such a, a young developer well, thank i, I you. played i played i played plenty of games made by more than one people more than one person by much more experienced developers uh that are uh, uh less interesting less compelling than, than what you uh, deliver with summerland so uh thank you very much for developing the game and thank you for actually For those who don't know, releasing it for free on both Steam and Itch.io.
0: I'm I'm really glad you like it. So thank you very much for that.
1: Well, thank you. And a little bit about you here. I first heard about Summerland uh, through your uh, TikTok account, and you've been sort of documenting a little bit on the steps of the development of Summerland through the past few months here. What inspired you to use your TikTok account in such a way? Because I've not seen, even from more seasoned developers, them using really TikTok either at all or even documenting the development of their games. So
0: one of the accounts I follow right now, his name is—I'm um, going to mispronounce this—Quasi uh, TV, mm-hmm. think, and he developed a, it's an awesome game. It just got ported to consoles called Shotgun Farmers. Uh, if you've ever played it, it's it's a really interesting first-person shooter. You uh, you like fire seeds that plants new ammo. It's it's really cool. And he got like this huge following through TikTok. He's over a million followers right now. Oh wow. Crazy <laughs> success. And I I was starting to amass a bit of a following. I think I had about 10k at that time Uh, and I was just making like comedy videos I was writing sketches and I thought they were pretty funny uh but I thought you know what I have 10,000 people here and I'm making this game why not announce it and I decided to announce it I was waiting I I had this like waiting period I knew what I wanted to do um because the game needed voice actors and I was like I see all these videos of people saying like I really want to be a voice actor and don't know how to do it like how do I I was like all right I got a market here uh (laughs) I recorded this minute-long video explaining, this is my game. This is what it's going to be. I need voice actors. Here's how you audition. Video blows up. It's like three and a half million views, million likes. Uh, I got over like 4,500 auditions. Wow. Um, And then I just got a ton of followers from there. So the traction just kept building and building. And I was able to just keep posting updates. People kept coming. And yeah, it just kind of spiraled from there. And now Summerland's my... By far, my most successful game.
1: Wow, I was just curious because that's that's the video that I first saw. You know, because it it did blow up in such a way. Do you think that going through that method had advantages for you that, aside from just the volume of audition auditions that you've had, did that have any other advantages than other probably more traditional casting methods?
0: I think so because have you ever heard the site Casting Call Club? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's where I held the auditions and i love going through that because you get so much talent that you would never hear otherwise because it's such an open platform and anyone is able to sign up i mean granted with that you're going to get some pretty bad auditions right yeah that <laughs> happens with any role especially when you're uh, paying because a lot of casting call club auditions are are like free type casting um but i i pay i offered a payment which brought in a lot of different voice actors And um, going through TikTok, again, it got a lot of those people that want to become voice actors and weren't able to start. I had so many people messaging me saying, this is what got me started. And like, this is why I started voice acting because of this. And now I've auditioned for like a bunch of stuff. So not even just for me, but for other people, I think it's been awesome because I've gotten a lot of people into voice acting from that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure like casting that kind of a wide net sure got a whole host of different kind of people. And Developing a game in such a public way, did that have like any unique challenges? Did that have any kind of, did that increase like expectations for yourself? Or how did, how did you manage to sort of balance being a developer and being a public figure?
0: I see that the TikTok thing is kind of a double-edged sword. And it, it was more positive than negative And most of the negatives were just self-imposed. Like, obviously, it brought a lot of attention to the game. And I'm insanely thankful it brought all this attention to the game. But also that made me worried and it gave me some awful imposter syndrome because I, I felt that all of these people are now on my account expecting this amazing product that I'm afraid I can't offer. And that was a lot of pressure on myself. And I, I posted multiple videos after that saying like, guys, I just want to remind you, <laughs> I'm 18. I was 18 at the time and I'm making this by myself. So like, <laughs> give me. Uh, a little leeway here. It's not going to be a triple A product. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, you know, most most everyone understood that, and any of that pressure was put on myself by me, and I, I realize that now that everyone was pretty much expecting what it was. If not, they were expecting less than what it was. I'm, I think I broke some expectations, which I'm very happy about. But yeah, it was it was stressful. It was a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, and uh, like I'm just curious because you you mentioned that you know prior to. You being a developer kind of you know, blowing up in such a way you've done, you know, you know, sketches and music and things like that. What sort of drove you to, I guess, just being a game developer in general, but also being a developer and being like, hey, here's this project I have, you know, come be a part of it. What, what about development either drew you to development or why do you think that blew up in ways that you being artistic and other methods may not have in the same way?
0: I think it's the opportunity of it because I found that people on TikTok, I'm not trying to sound like some mogul who knows what he's talking about. Like, (laughs) I'm just inferring here. It seems like people on TikTok like to be involved. Mm -hmm. And if you're offering something to them where they can do something they've always wanted to do, like they're going to latch on to that. Like so many people messaged me, they're like, man, I'll do this for free. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like wow. I, you don't need to pay me. I'll be in this project because so many people want a voice act. Mm-hmm. That's like when people um, who are good visual artists will say, like, I'm drawing my followers, and they get a ton of followers because people want to be included in that. They want that opportunity to be drawn. People wanted that opportunity to be a voice actor. And I think having that like inclusive, opportunistic sort of environment around there, people really latched onto that, and they've stuck around. Because they know I'm still working on stuff. And they know that there's still ways for them to be involved.
1: And, and I guess transitioning a little bit over to actually the game Summerland itself. I'm just actually curious because the the game, the opening of the game is actually a very shocking way of you're just in an empty room. Here's a phone. Here's a phone call. And you have no idea what to expect. And we're introduced to a character, um, sometimes the can name him as the judge. And we don't really know who this person is other than... He's talking to us, and he's he's introducing us to this world. When you were developing this character, what role did you envision him having? Is like, is he like a more of like a godlike figure? Is is he more of just like an omnipotent, other kind of omnipotent character, or what did you have in mind when developing that kind of character?
0: When when we wrote this, and I say we, I, I wrote this screenplay, and then had a ton of people proofread it and look through it, suggest things. Um, so when we were writing through this uh his working name was kevin (laughs) uh not not in any official capacity but that was just what we were referring to him as because we imagine him as have you seen the good place yes a little bit It it was super heavy influences from the good place in this game but we imagined him as sort of this just like office worker of the afterlife there's no denomination or anything we just imagine like this dude sitting at a desk and this is like just another tuesday for him uh, and he's just kind of fed up with having to do it all the time and he's like, Get let's get through it, get through my shift.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um that that's kinda of where the judge spawned from. He was voiced by Ryan Beard. And I when I was talking to Ryan about voicing this character, uh, I said to them, I was like, Listen, <laughs> I want him to be a total jerk, but like make it funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that that comes across a little bit.
0: <laughs> I was actually um I was going to be voicing the, the judge initially i had had a voice role in all of my games prior and i wasn't auditioning for him but when i did that public casting call uh Ryan Beard they uh commented on my post and they said hey i'd really like to be a part of it uh, so i was like you know okay uh i messaged them and they got back to me and i was okay yeah. like, "Hey, <laughs> I, I got a character i was going to voice but you'd fit it way better so here you go i got some lines read them off and yeah he we kind of nailed it
1: did did the change of character more happen in sort of that process with you know, collaborating co- collaborating with them as, as a voice actor and sort of nailing down the the actual tone of the character or would that more happen just more like on page during during writing revisions
0: it was a lot of just a lot of writing revisions um but we did kind of uh mold the character a bit to fit ryan's voice because the character when you bo- really boil it down to it, it's just Ryan.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: like this, this is Ryan. How this is how they talk this is how like they inflect their words.
1: Yeah. It, it kind of just molded to be them. It's it's funny because like the, the, the judge over, over time gets increasingly curious about Matthew, his, his actions and, and what he does. What made you what made actually the decision of him being labeled as the judge? Because he's very curious for for someone who is sort of supposed to be more of like a more of a judge. What, what drove that um, as sort of the ultimate envisioning of the character?
0: First, I need to ask how spoiler talk are we getting in this podcast? full spoilers <laughs> all right full. So, all right then full spoiler alert and also full uh, interpretation alert mm-hmm. i guess because i'm gonna sure. give like some of like the hidden meanings and stuff that i find in the game that you might not so Perfect. i encourage you the game's free go out and play it come up with your own thoughts opinions i'm going to share what i think is going on mm-hmm. so in my mind the judge kind of is matthew okay and this whole game it encapsulates that life flashing before your eyes mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. In my mind, at the end of the game where Matthew is killed, uh, he, he's shot. It's The whole game is happening the split second after that happens. Right. And it's all going through Matthew's head. And he himself is c- tr- kind of trying to justify all of these decisions that he's made and try to figure out why he was doing what he was doing. And he's trying to justify it to himself. Right, and that's kind of um kind of hinted at in the judge's line where he asks if Matthew thinks this is even real mm-hmm. um because I think that the whole game just kind of takes place in Matthew's final moments, and when you walk through that final door into the light, that's Matthew um actually dying like he's he's finally died it's his story's over and I, I call the character the judge because Matthew is judging himself and he's coming to these conclusions on his own through this third-person voice.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I, I can think of that as actually being the interpretation. I always <laughs> took a little bit, actually more, more literally than that. So it's fascinating that <laughs> that's... And of course, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, it is up for more subjective interpretation.
0: There's a lot of things left kind of in the air that I wanted people to like walk away with their own feelings on. And I'm not saying what I just said is correct. I'm in no way in saying that's correct. And if you have another like thought of what you think happened, like, yeah, that's just as valid as what
1: mine is. And like, Matthew himself is actually interesting because you, you've already touched on this a little bit where he is throughout the process of the game trying to justify his actions to himself because uh, he does some pretty bad stuff. You know, he, yeah, he, no, he yeah, definitely he, does. He murders a guy, destroys evidence, He, he, he uh, endangers his child at, you know, at the end, but you know, with Chase with the police. How do you sort of end up balancing? The good and bad sides of Matthew, because if it goes too far, then Matthew is almost objectively irredeemable. uh, But you also need to have him be sympathetic in order for him to have that interpretation for you. Was it more of a balance or was it because it was more of him trying to justify it to himself that he was allowed to go a little bit too far?
0: And you're asking some uh, some
1: in depth <laughs> questions here.
0: Listen, I'm a I'm a 19 year old kid. I didn't sure. write this with any degree under my belt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I was figuring this out as I went. Um, I, I don't. There was definitely a balance happening, and I don't. I wish I had a better answer. I, I don't think there was like a, a method or a formula to how I wrote it. I just kind of felt it out, and I was like, uh, ah, is he is he too bad? Do I need to like dial him back? Is he?" And it was kind of just a like a personal like how I felt it needed to happen type of thing, and again I I wish I had a better answer other than uh, I I thought it was good <laughs> okay <laughs> other than I I thought it was okay
1: yeah yeah no no and well it's it, it's interesting because he, he, like you mentioned he does justify it to himself it, it, what the process is that and. His, like, in his inner monologue, always, like, throughout the whole thing, justifying to himself. So actually, <laughs> the, the judge being himself actually makes a whole lot of sense now that you mention it. Um, but I, I've, it's more interesting because that you, you, Matthew is a cop who is, or a detective rather, um, and ultimately himself is actually, in some ways, maybe not, you know, explicitly, but also kind of judging others. How we, we mentioned a little bit on the writing process and the changes done to the judge. How many interpretations or what was the process of writing Matthew as a character? Was he always a detective or what, did he have different other kind of backgrounds?
0: So the um the whole detective thing, We the game started as I wanted to talk about the afterlife and ethics. And I had no idea what I wanted the character to be or his story to be. I just knew this is what I wanted to do. Before I even had any sort of story, I had modeled this hallway. Like, this hallway was there. I knew I wanted to have, like, all these doors lead to different places. Um, and I had no idea what I was going to do after that point. For, for all of you that are curious, my writing process, and just creating process in general is awful, and you shouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> I, I very much like, figure things out as I go. Sure, Like, I want to make a game about this, and I just dive headfirst into making it with, like, zero plans. Um, so don't do that. But <laughs> I did, and uh it it kind of came about from the last of us, okay, and the last of us was is a huge influence on me just in general um favorite game of all time. The original script for that Joel was a police officer,
1: okay um, oh, I-, I didn't know that
0: <laughs> the, uh, like the, I don't know the details, but that thought came to me, and I was like, uh, that um that raised a lot of moral dilemmas, and I thought that would be an interesting thing to follow um the first version of. The Summerland script, the kid was sick and not Matthew. Oh, um, oh wow! So you're okay. trying, yeah. So there were going to be a lot more scenes of you trying to like care for the kid at home, trying to like fix up equipment and everything, like makeshift or otherwise. And someone like brought it up to me just like one late night and was like, <laughs> just messaged me out of the blue, it was like, "Hey, what if Matthew was the one that was sick, like just out of nowhere?" And I, I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's a lot more interesting, and. uh Uh, I I went on from there because, for one, it gives a better like visual of how bad it is because you have that first person perspective. But it also is like less cliche Um, (laughs) because there's always that cliche of like, oh, the sick kid, take care of the kid. Um, I feel like you never see the actual caretaker being sick themselves. And I I thought that was an interesting take on it. Uh, uh, I think at one point he was just like an average guy. There was nothing to do with his job. Uh, And like the initial game was a lot more abstract. There wasn't going to be like any voice acting other than the judge. So I'm really happy with the final product and what we've settled on. And I think it delivers the story that I wanted
1: to tell. Like you mentioned that the initial part of, you know, initial concept of Summerlin was you trying to discuss or explore the afterlife and philosophy and ethics. How much actual research did you have to do in order to, to properly explore that? Because you do mention explicitly some, you know, different kind of philosophers, philosophies and, you know, different kind of ethics.
0: So I'll just say, like outright, I, I wasn't trying to like break new ground. It wasn't like a oh, I want to, I want to make strides in the field of and, like no, I, <laughs> I just ethics are just interesting to me. Um, in the the more philosophical side of ethics, when you're thinking like, not what is right or wrong, but why is are things right or wrong? Um, I saw that was kind of cool, and I wanted to explore that more because it interested me. Um, and the points I bring forward are, are very base level ethics philosophy and i didn't i didn't do like a, a ton of research i i did read a few articles i it sounds dumb but i watched the good place which actually has a lot of um stuff about ethics in it and, and i just kind of i found a few points that i was like you know i i want to make people who have never thought about this before like maybe explore it a bit and i i just kind of threw these points in here and i said here do these what you will think about it uh and again i wasn't trying to like make some grand statement it was just kind of i want people to think about it a little bit same with the afterlife i was like I want, I want people to think about it just a little bit and i'm not trying to tell people an answer or really go in depth with exploring very base level but that's really all i wanted to do
1: and uh, just actually i got actually only one final question for you at at the end of summerland you are given the option to ultimately judge matthew yeah. is is he basically good a good person or a bad person subjectively what do you think
0: yeah so i, I that's like the one question yeah. i really looked at in your the outline you sent me and i was like i, I don't know how to answer this <laughs> i um and i was thinking for like a, the whole day and i was like oh man um i i really don't know and i don't think i want to give an answer here solely because i i think people would take that as an influence yeah and i really want people to make that decision for themselves and i don't want my opinion to influence what they say um which is my way of avoiding the question because i don't have an answer <laughs> but,
1: no that, that, that's that, actually not having an answer is a completely valid answer because I, like, that's kind I, of the yeah. point of the
0: game is you should not have an answer
1: yeah well, well I, hmm, actually a little bit on that i know that was the last question but like was actually not having an answer was that ever a valid option or did you want people to make a definitive yes or no?
0: no I, I wanted people to have to face what they feel is right and wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you're making me do right now and I can't. Um, <laughs> but, I wanted, but you well, made I wanted us do it. <laughs> yeah, no, this is hypocrisy. That's fine. You know, yeah. I, was, um, I, I wanted people to walk away and try to think about it. And really, I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube Let's Plays and streams. And my favorite part but when they like the game of course is when they <laughs> get to the end and they just stand there for like three minutes yeah <laughs> i've been watching a ton where they they're like sitting there in that like big grassy open area and not even moving or looking and just talking to the people on stream yeah guys, <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea what to, that's my favorite part of it and uh It's a moment that I'm proud that I've made. Yeah. It's like that one moment of payoff at the end of the game where I'm like, man, I really did make the person think. And that makes me
1: really happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the best moment. It's the best moment of the game. And it's a a good thing. You know, a lot of games don't end particularly well or meaningful. And uh, you managed to pull it off. So you should be proud of yourself. I was honestly
0: really afraid people were going to hate the ending of this game. (laughs) Why is that? Because it's so open to interpretation it's such an open ended ending and i was afraid people weren't going to take to that just because it, there was no definitive conclusion really it's like you go through this journey and you're finally faced with this final cho- choice and it just ends but that's kind of the whole thing like the pacing of it is kind of just like i'm not trying to get super deep here it's like very again service level but it's kind of like a parallel of death right you it opens very suddenly right um, just like death, you don't know when it's going to happen. It's very sudden and it's scary. The game opens suddenly. You're plopped into this position where you don't know what's going on. You're confused and nothing is explained to you. Um, and you just kind of have to make your way
1: on your own. That's actually a, a fantastic point for us to end on. Connor, I do thank you very much for joining so us here at uh, Lore Party today. Anything uh, you want to promote before we uh, wrap up here?
0: Uh, just check out the game it is totally free on steam uh summerland you could check out my social medias i'll I'll spell a few things out here we got my instagram which is connor with an er underscore w underscore rush my twitter which is uh at fire games real and that's f-y-r-e games uh and uh yeah that's about it that's all i got firegames.com f-y-r-e
1: Executive producer of the Lore Party Podcast Network is Abu Zafar. Minigame is written and produced by Michael Ferris. Original music for Minigame is composed by Lawrence Kelly. Subscribe to Minigame and all the other Lore Party Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow Minigame on Twitter at Minigame Podcast and visit our website at loreparty.com.